Jason Durham. Huh? Details are coming up next. Welcome to Fish and Paul Bunyan Country, sponsored by Visit Bemidji. It's always fun when we get to talk to Jason Durham of Go Fish Guide Service. He mainly handles the Park Rapids Nevis area, uh, but he knows fishing inside and out all over the state of Minnesota. So first of all, Jason, as always, thanks for taking some time for me today. Hey, thanks for having me. I actually just pulled the boat out of the water, and uh, I'm on my way to the next trip, next body of water, which is a typical day at Go Fish Guide Service, uh, multiple lakes, multiple groups, and a big focus for us is making sure that we are not transporting aquatic invasive species, which all of our listeners need to be diligent about as well. You know, in Hubbard County, we do more boat inspections than anywhere in the state of Minnesota, and for good, resource, uh, good reasons, we have great resources here and a huge concentration of lakes. So we just need to be diligent and stewards of the outdoors to make sure that we are protecting those beautiful resources that we have here. Very timely statement to make. Uh, of course, we found out in Beltrami County, Pymouche, a uh, lovely lake, uh, just has starry stonewort. And we don't know what that's going to mean, but uh, it's not a good thing. No, no invasives are good. Um, you know, you look at them and... Sometimes there are positive attributes to what happens to a lake, but there are far more negative attributes. So, yeah, we want to be diligent about uh, preventing the spread, for sure. And as you noted, Hubbard County is very, very serious about it. They're very, very involved and have done a great job so far. You know, every day that I go to the boat access and I talk to one of the watercraft inspectors, I make sure to go out of my way to tell them, thank you for being here. Because think about this. They're working for you. They're working to make sure that you can enjoy these wonderful lakes. And there's still, every day I ask, have you run into any jerks? And everybody has a story. Every water craft inspector has a story. You know, really, it only takes a minute to do what you need to do to ensure that your boat is clean. And these people are not trying to prevent you from utilizing the lakes. They're not trying to get you in trouble. They're trying to protect what we have. Yeah. I don't understand jerks, but uh, I guess uh, I'll take that as a good sign that I don't understand jerks. I totally agree. Two feelings that are very unwelcome in my body is fear, number one, and anger. And I just don't understand how some people, that's what they constantly operate on. Yeah, yeah. Well, you Be were up- kind. It goes a long way. It does. It's amazing how that can come back and pay off in a very big way. Uh, so keep that in mind. Well, where were you fishing this morning? You know what? We were on a lake over towards Detroit Lakes. No. Uh, so went a little bit further west than I usually do. Uh, we were chasing some smallmouth bass today. We had a great morning on the water. You know, those smallmouth, 
They've recovered from the spawn. And now's the period of time when you can find them congregated in schools, which I love. <laughs> and when you catch a smallmouth, you always have to watch behind it because they're so curious and competitive and social that a lot of times when you bring one fish in, there's three, four, five of them following it. So it's a good opportunity to capitalize and have somebody in the boat, boat try to catch one too. For tournament angling, we always do that. Um, but even if you catch a different species like a rock bass and you're on water that have uh, smallmouth bass, again, watch behind that fish because a lot of times you'll have them follow up. Are you using top water right now? Oh, top water works great for smallmouth just about all season long. Um, but we're getting a lot of fish on on kind of those crayfish imitating baits. And those fish were, I mean, as soon as you got them into the boat, even when you're fighting them up to the boat, they were uh, spitting up crayfish and then uh, getting them on board as you're taking the hook out. They're, uh, how would I put this uh, kind of, their excrement was uh, bright orange, which mm. is a great indicator that they're feeding on crayfish, even though when we see crayfish in the natural environment, uh, they're not orange. But one of the best crayfish imitating baits ever made is a tube bait. And people look at that like when I have kids in the boat, they see that tube bait and they go, oh, it's a baby squid or it looks like an octopus. That is the best crayfish imitating bait ever made because when a crayfish flees, it tucks its claws in and it flips its tail under the body and it glides backwards. And when you're working the tube bait, that's exactly what it looks like. It's that compact design that looks like a crayfish fleeing from a predator. Uh, but a couple tips about tubes. One is those little tentacles that hang down, you have to make sure that those are straight. We call it like combing its hair. Because if you have any that are over the hook, which commonly happens when you get a bite from a fish or you catch a fish, if any of them are over the hook, it's going to cause the tube to spin as you're reeling it. And it won't look natural. You want it to glide. Uh, the other thing is when you have a fish hit and you set the hook, even if you stick that fish and turn it over or fight it for a couple cranks, drop your rod tip right away if, if you lose it because a lot of times that fish will hit again. What are you fishing for this <laughs> afternoon? Uh, this afternoon we're going to be chasing panfish just with some kids. And, and, you know, with young kids you need repetition. Mm -hmm. They don't need to catch a walleye. They don't need to catch a muskie. Uh, big fish don't matter as much. You definitely need to get on some of those schools of sunfish that readily want to eat your hook. And then this evening I get to do something fun. I've got the night off from guiding, which I haven't had the entire summer. And a buddy of mine and I are going to fish an event for the Park Rapids Area Bass Club. And we're going to 10 Mile Lake tonight. Oh. So again, we'll be targeting smallmouth out there too. Okay. Wow, you know, um, I'm hearing a lot of talk about everything but walleyes from you. you uh, you you got a lot of uh, different types of species going on right now. Oh, let's talk walleyes for a minute because the walleye bite's been really good up until just a couple days ago where it just changed. Mm. And maybe it was this weather system that we had come in a couple days ago, but uh, definitely disrupted the bite a little bit. But I don't see that being long-term. Last week, we had days where we got limits of walleyes, which isn't necessarily a common thing in the Park Rapids area. Like, if you go up to Red Lake or Lake of the Woods, you're expecting to catch a limit of walleyes. In the Park Rapids area, we have good walleye fishing. We don't have 
great walleye fishing in terms of sheer numbers because our lakes are so small. But on any of these bodies of water, you always have a chance at catching the biggest walleye of your life. Mm -hmm. So that's something we definitely have as an advantage. So like Red Lake, for instance, I always think of that as a great fishery, uh, one that you're going to get good numbers of fish, but you're probably not going to catch your biggest ever. Here, you have a legitimate chance any day of catching a 30-inch fish. That's a dream of, I think, a lot of walleye anglers. There's a lot of people who've fished 50, 60 years, haven't seen a 30-incher yet. Exactly. And when I, when I think about trophy status walleyes, I'm thinking anything in the 28 inches or bigger, but that's all relative. You know, for somebody who's never caught a walleye before, uh, well, I shouldn't say that. For somebody who's walleye fishing experienced the lows of walleye fishing, that... Uh, even a 25 or 26 incher is a true trophy. But uh, sadly, some of the best days that I've ever had chasing walleyes have been with groups of people who have so little experience walleye fishing that they can't fully appreciate what they've actually accomplished in that day, that they think that that's what walleye fishing is always like. Yeah, that's always the way it works, of course. <laughs> well, not always. Not always, sometimes. but... <laughs> so uh, what have they been biting on lately, the walleyes? You know, the walleyes we've been getting primarily on leeches and night crawlers, and it's been different from lake to lake. One lake, it'll just be all night crawlers, and the other lake, it'll be all leeches. Uh, we haven't seen a strong minnow bite, uh, which we, as those fish tend to move out into deep water, we usually have a good bite on uh, tree chubs, and, um, even midsummer. But keeping those minnows alive right now is a little bit of a trick, too, because those water temperatures are warm. Surface temp is, is really fluctuating a lot from day to day. With the rain showers that we had come in, they dropped significantly. But now they've definitely come up again. But the concern is how deep that surface water is sinking into the water column. And that's where we could get into some trouble later in the season uh, with those high water temperatures. So we're hoping that you know, maybe things get a little back to normal and average, and uh, we don't have any serious fish kills. Well, I hate to tell you that, but that's, uh, that's not going to happen this week. Mid-80s for the rest of the week. I think we're going to be in the 90s Saturday and Sunday, and, and then hopefully uh, a little bit of relief. But, boy, you're right. It's, uh, it's been an incredibly warm season, and that water is, I wouldn't call it bath water, uh, but it's not as refreshing as it typically is. It's definitely on its way to bath water. <laughs> and, you know, whether you want to say, you know, this is a result of global warming, or if you want to say, well, that's not true, it's a cycle, the earth has been through these different cycles, uh, either way, it's happening. And that can't be denied. So, you know, we're just hoping for the best yeah. that we can do right now. And for listeners, too, if you do see dead fish floating on the surface, and a significant amount, uh, do contact the DNR about that. They want that information, and they, they would like to know an approximate number of fish, approximate size, and the species, if that's possible. As important as catch and release is, uh, when you're pulling up a walleye from deep in the water uh, in mid to, you know, mid-July in the hot weather, um, you know, the, the chances of that fish surviving is a lot lower than it is any other time of the year. It is, and it's hard sometimes when you know that you can catch fish out in those deeper areas, um, but you know there's going to be detriment to the fish's health because of doing that. 
You know, same goes for muskies. A lot of muskie anglers won't won't fish for them and target them when water temperatures are really warm. And obviously, there's a lot fewer muskies than there are walleyes. But either way, you know, we want to do what's best for the fish. I mean, in reality, if we truly wanted to do what's best for the fish, we probably wouldn't be fishing for them. <laughs> but, uh, you know, so like selective harvest, for instance, it does help the lake out uh, to create space for fish to grow. Uh, but I think, you know, most anglers nowadays, the vast, vast majority, they want to do what's best for the lake. Mm-hmm. They don't want to, they don't want to return to a body of water and, and not catch fish. We have a lot of really smart, savvy anglers who understand what's going on now. And, and, you know, we're all learning more every year. Uh, and that, uh, I find that to be a really cool thing. I would say that the listeners of Fish and Paul Bunyan Country are the smartest people on earth. I am probably going to have to save that recording and, and use that in a promo. You should probably <laughs> every day. I think Just I, as a reminder. I should, yes. Well, uh, most of the year, from everything I've been hearing, you know, on our lakes around here, and uh, when I've talked to Isaiah over there and you earlier, it's been a pretty good fishing year. We haven't had a lot of downtime, and, and, you know, with the variety you guys have, there's always something biting. We've had a really great fishing year this year, and I tell you what, um, you know, not just the fish that we've caught, but the memories we've made with clients. Uh, we Every day we say we're, we're attempting to catch uh, a personal best, or a fish that somebody has never caught. And the vast majority of the trips I've been on this year, that has happened. And that's what it's all about, making those memories on the walk. Ah, yes, memories. Jason had a recent trip. That will be a memory of his for a long time to come. We'll get the details next. This is Fish and Paul Bunyan Country. Hi, this is Dick Beardsley with Dick Beardsley Fishing Guide Service. Are you looking to plan a fishing trip? Look no further as Bemidji, Minnesota is your year-round destination for walleyes, pike, muskie, bass, perch, crappie, panfish, and more. With over 400 fishing lakes within a 25-mile radius of Bemidji, come take a cast of becoming a fishing legend. While you're on your fishing adventure, come take a picture with the historic Paul Bunyan and Babe the Blue Ox. Discover the first city on the Mississippi... Bemidji, one step further. This is Fish and Paul Bunyan Country. Jason Durham from Go Fish Guide Service is my guest. When we went to break, he was talking about making memories on the water. And speaking of memories on the water, some people do service with a smile. Jason Durham does service with a splash. You, you got to tell him the story. <laughs> We did have a little incident on the boat the other day, and I honestly, if you ever wanted to hear crazy guide stories, I could tell them for days after 29 years of guiding, but this is definitely a standout. So I had a woman, her, her father in the boat, uh, and the woman was about my age, so in her 40s, and we, they, were, they were doing very well catching walleye, and we were fishing vertically in 17 feet of water. I hadn't fished all day, and I decided to drop a line in. When I when my leech hit the bottom, I immediately got a bite and set the hook. And as I'm fighting it, I can see it's about a 17-inch walleye. Well, neither of the people on board noticed that I've got a fish on, which is fine. 
because my plan is to just bring it up to the surface and swing it up into the boat and flop it on the front deck. But at the very last minute, the woman notices that I've got one and she says, oh, you've got a fish. I'll get the net. And as I'm saying, no, you don't need to do that. She sets her rod down. And as soon as she turns and takes her hand off the rod, it goes flying overboard into the lake. A fish pulls it in. So without even pausing a second, I dove overboard. Fully clothed, with my shoes on, and in 17 feet of water, I opened my eyes and I saw the rod sinking. I grabbed it, but my shoes were falling off, so I ended up having to take my shoes off with my other hand. So now I've got shoes in one hand, the rod in the other hand. It wasn't easy to swim up to the surface, but when I finally got there, I handed her the rod. She landed the two-pound bass that pulled her rod in and the 17-inch walleye that was still on the end of my line. <laughs> we did it, Kevin! Save the rod! <laughs> and my shoes. That's impressive. That is really impressive. Those must have been really important shoes. They were. They were my good luck fishing shoes. <laughs> Come on. Okay. Yeah, you can't mess with a guy's good luck fishing shoes. That's The moral of the story is when you fish, you should wear shoes that float. Are there any such kind things? Of, yeah, probably. I don't know if Crocs float or not, but... I would guess so. There's a lot of foam in them. Yeah, that is above and beyond service, Jason. I I must say that uh, that's a very impressive uh, extra effort by you. Well, I wouldn't call it an extra service for the clients. It's a little self-serving too, in that you know if you lose a rod uh, on a guide trip, at the end of the day, you're really making no money. I think a lot of people that don't fish assume that a rod is very economical. That it's oh, you know. It's, 25 or 30 dollars and uh, you know rods nowadays you can have combos that are easily you know a couple hundred to several hundred dollars and somebody had even commented uh you know you let your clients use your top of the line gear and um you know my favorite favorite hundreds and hundreds of dollar rods no not all the time but there are times uh, that i do allow clients to do that and you know, I've only lost a couple rods over the side of the boat in all these years. And in every instance, it was my fault and, and my rod that got lost. Never a client. Well, I got to tell you, um, this is an amazing story. Except with a story like that, you really should be landing some sort of state record. Yeah, you know, that would have been nicer if it was like this giant walleye, uh, the lake record El Guapo. It's only got one eye, lures hanging from its lips. It's never been caught, only seen. Uh, But it wasn't. It was a two-pound bass. (laughs) Well, at least the water was warm, right? Yeah, the water wasn't bad. I would call it refreshing, uh, and I didn't have to take a bath when I got home. So we're good. (laughs) Well, what are you hearing from other guides? Uh, Pretty much the same thing that's happening with you? Yeah, really. I mean, the panfish bites really kicked in. The crappies are starting to bite really well. We've got some excellent crappie lakes around here um, that you can catch a lot of very nice eater fish in addition to some trophy trophy fish and so we're seeing those those big crappies move out to the deeper weed lines now targeting them in anywhere from like 12 to 18 or even 20 feet depending on where that weed line is and you know the best way to go about that you don't need crappie minnows to go catch crappies this time of year you need a small jig that you can get out there and cast the distance um ultralight rods are always a lot of fun um but a lot of people buy ultralights that are super short 
and buy one that's long. Then you can cast that tiny jig out there even further. And light line will help out with that cast ability as well. You know, you don't need a, a 12-pound test to go and fish for crappies. But on the other hand, you don't necessarily need a specialized rod just for crappies or bluegills. You can use some of those medium or medium light walleye rods that you have that even have eight pound test on there, and that's fine. You're going to catch fish doing it. You know that's a that's a good point because I think that's what uh, I think scares a lot of people off from getting a little bit more diverse or trying other things. I don't have the money, and I don't even know what you know rods to buy and what kind of different line do I need, and uh, et cetera, et cetera. It can be a little dizzying for people. Absolutely, and in all honesty. If you had a medium action, six and a half or seven foot rod with eight pound test on it, you can, you can fight with any fish that's in the lake legitimately. Now, is it the absolute best to go and target big northern pike with that? No. Uh, but when you accidentally catch one while you're fishing for crappies or chasing walleyes, uh, you have a legitimate shot at landing the fish. Yeah. It's a good all around rig. And I think the same thing, uh, you know, occurs to people when they're when they're looking at boats. Uh, boy, some, these guys got bass boats, and then there's walleye boats, and then there's this boat. You only need one boat. You know, it's kind of funny. I was putting mine, launching it on a very small lake last year, and I run a giant crest liner. It's a twenty-two fifty authority, so really, it's designed for Great Lakes salmon fishing, and it is the most awesome guide boat in the world. I mean, it is so great for space for gas and just stability on the water, smooth ride, all that. But the, on this tiny lake, last year I had a 300-horsepower engine, <laughs> and when I put it in there, there was a man and woman at the dock, and the woman looked at it, and she goes, 300 horsepower? Do you really need that for this lake? And I said, well, I apologize. My small lake boat was in the shop. <laughs> you know, it's not like we have a whole fleet of them sitting in the garage. Right. You, you use what you can. So putting a big boat in little water, people ask me all the time, well, aren't there lakes that you can't get into? And really, no. Even this year, we've seen some low water just due to the heat and obvious lack of precipitation. But I can get in. There's not a single lake that I can't get in with this boat. The old keep it simple, stupid, the KISS method. It, works, sure. it works for boats and it works for uh, fishing gear. For sure. I remind people when they come on board my boat, I'm so blessed. I'm so fortunate to have all of these fancy gadgets and electronics and self-deploying trolling motor, you know, top-of-the-line boat. With, I, this year I'm running a 400-horse Mercury Verado. And a lot of times families on board, the child will say, you know, we should get a boat like this. And I'll always tell them, you know, a lot of the stuff that I have is nice to have, but it's not necessary to catch fish. To catch fish, you need a hook and a line and water. Uh, another great example is going to boat shows and traveling around the country doing that. A lot of times people will be looking at a Crestliner boat that they're interested in purchasing, and, and they'll ask me, they'll say, well, which model do you have? And I'll tell them, and they'll say, well, I only have a you know, 14-foot boat with a 35-horse motor on it. And I'll go, what do you mean that's all you have? Like, that was my dream boat. I always wanted a boat like that. And, you know, don't sell yourself short by something that's big and, and fancy and shiny. You know, small boats catch fish, too. And just be gracious for what you have. If you're able to get out on the lake 
that's great. There's plenty of people in the world that have big, fancy, shiny, fast boats that never get to use them. Very good point. Being on the water is is what, what it's all about. I've said it time and time again. The best way to catch more and bigger fish, the top secret way, is that you actually have to go fishing. Yes. Step one, go fishing. Step, step one. <laughs> You're listening to Fish and Paul Bunyan Country. Jason Durham of Go Fish Guide Service is my guest. And Jason, one of the things uh, most people have said this year, and I, I might have talked to you about it earlier this year as well, was that uh, once again this year it seems to be uh, licenses are up and more people fishing than in years past. Are you seeing that over there? Not really. We're seeing a slight increase in recreational boating. There are bodies of water that have been a little bit busier than a typical year, but I feel like last year was busier than this year. Okay. I think with, uh, you know, sports, youth sports uh, taking place, a lot of families are committed to that. It's no longer where you have, for instance, volleyball season or football season, and it ends at the end of that season. They go continuously throughout the year, and so there's traveling tournaments and there's practices, and it's a huge commitment for the families. So we haven't seen a huge increase. We have seen a huge increase in people just in the area because people are able to still work remotely. And obviously, you know, just like I'm sure is happening in Bemidji, the real estate right now is unbelievable, off the charts, Mm -hmm. uh, unprecedented. Same thing here, absolutely. It's kind of a crazy world we're living in right now. It really is. So you've been busy, though. I mean, it sounds like you've been busy uh, day and night. Uh, Yeah, I've been on the water Every single day uh, since the last week of May, uh, and that was our last week of school, and I was even guiding after school then, um, I was running some days two eight-hour trips a day. So you start at 6 a.m. and go until 2, and then go from 2 to 10 with no break in between. Um, it's really interesting to see uh, the, the kind of pulse of the lake change when you spend that much time on one body of water. Uh, you definitely see these moments of activity where the fish get really aggressive. Um, one thing that, that I've thought about a lot and have talked with a few other guides about recently is kind of the length of activity during the day. Uh, a lot of people like to go out in the evening when the sun's going down and hitting the trees, and it's definitely a period where those fish get active and you, you catch some fish. But a lot of us really like early mornings or even afternoons just as much or even better and the reason being is those bite windows are longer so think about this a lot of our fish in these clear clear lakes rely upon vision to see their prey well when you have darkness and you take that away from them obviously species like walleye that can take the ambient light and and magnify it so they can see after dark they'll continue to feed but a lot of species at least uh, kind of uh, hold back on feeding. And then once you have, for a period of, you know, all night long, darkness. And then once you have first light, they can see that environment around them again much easier, and there's going to be this increase in activity. But there's no final end to it. There's not that curtain of darkness to say, okay, it's time to be done. They keep feeding throughout the day. And probably... The trip that people avoid the most is midday, that noon to four trip. They, they go, ah, we're not going to catch anything. 
we catch more big walleyes and numbers of fish during that afternoon trip than anybody could ever imagine. You're right. I mean, there's a lot of conventional wisdom that is conventional but not wisdom. Well, you know, remember, we're trying to predict the behavior of a cold-blooded animal that can't tell us what it's actually doing, that you have to make your theories and assumptions based upon what you see personally. It's really hard to make those theories and assumptions when you're not catching any fish or seeing any fish. If you're in an area, you can't predict fish behavior when you're fishing in a swimming pool because you have no fish behavior to predict. Same goes for the lakes. If you're in an area where there is nothing and that's where you're fishing, you can come in and say the fishing was poor. Well, you don't have anything to base that on because there weren't any fish around to judge. (laughs) So we talked about a few things. Is there anything, you know, you've been on the water a long time in your life, you know what's going on. Is there anything that's really concerning you right now that you're spotting? Oh, anything that's concerning. You know, I, I feel like what I'm seeing on the lakes right now is a lot of courteous boating. I, I think for a while there, even take, for instance, jet ski, and you would see a lot of fractions from people using those personal watercraft. But I think they've been around for so long now that most people are well aware of the regulations and, and just being, you know, courteous to other anglers. Now, everybody makes mistakes now and again. Uh, just the other day, there was a boat that cut between us and shore, and they came so close. They weren't a castaway. I probably, uh, I couldn't have touched them with the end of my seven-and-a-half-foot rod, but I could have come pretty close. Mm. And it was some younger kids, and I think they thought they had a lot more space between our boat and the shoreline than they actually did. And, you know, I could go over there and scream at them, but it's not going to change what happened there. It's not going to change that situation. That person already knew that they had made a mistake. You know, just having patience on the water is so, so huge. Um, you know, obviously my concerns this year always transporting aquatic invasive species for anybody um, and just being aware of those regulations, especially if you're coming from out of the area or out of state where your regulations at home might be different. And then, of course, the you know, the climate right now is very concerning to me with our lakes. And, uh, you know, hopefully things turn out the best for the fish. But as far as you can tell, fish populations seem pretty healthy in your area? You know, they always... Uh, ebb and flow on on these small lakes where you'll see you know year classes that are really strong for a few years and you know you kind of start to see those dwindle uh, whether it's due to angler harvest or age or a number of other factors but otherwise in our area it is very healthy people often reference like oh the fishing was so good you know years ago and i can go back in park rapids we had a famous bait shop or legendary bait shop here fuller's bait and tackle that would compile every fish that was brought into the shop now nobody brings in fish to the bait shop to have them weighed or a picture taken for a big fish contest we can all do that digitally but back then when you caught a fish no matter how big it was you brought it in and you entered it in the contest well fuller's bait and tackle would put all of these entries into a compilation called the golden book and it was a, it was as thick as a magazine, and it was line by line, every single fish that had been brought in. And I know I was looking at one that I have in possession that's from 1976, the year I was born, and that was the 71st year that they had done this. So it, it had wow. been information from 
all the early 1900s on. And the Chamber of Commerce in Park Rapids actually is trying to put together a full collection of this. And they're very close. They're only missing a couple of years. And if anybody ever wanted to look through those, go to the chamber. They'd be happy to show you. Um, but looking at the size of fish and the numbers of fish, we've got it pretty good right now. And I think fisheries management is a lot better, not to mention anglers have an increased focus on conservation. Yeah, that's undoubtedly been huge. It's enormous. Anything else before we wrap it up today? Gosh, what could I tell you? Uh, yes, there is. I hope that everybody that's out on the lakes this weekend for the 4th of July, I hope you have a safe and enjoyable 4th on our lakes. You know, there's going to be an increase of activity out there. There's going to be a lot of people tubing and skiing and jet skiing because it is going to be hot. And there's going to be a lot of people in the area. So a little patience and a little kindness goes a long way, whether that's at the ramp or out on our lakes. If we're going out this weekend and we want to catch fish, we're looking for action, what should we go for? What should we bring? You know what? I wouldn't say that you pick a certain species. I would say go shallower than you think you should and get up into some of those cabbage weeds because those fish use it for cover and habitat even midday when it's hot and sunny. And, yes, you can catch walleyes in 8 to 10 feet of water on the 4th of July at noon. Uh, But I would bring, (laughs) bring some night crawlers and see what bites them. I would maybe bring a few sucker minnows and drag those around. Just about everything likes to eat a sucker minnow that are the big predator fish species. You're not going to catch sunfish or perch on them or crappie usually. Or I would, I would, I would go for a technique that you haven't used much. Uh, maybe you've read about it or seen a video online. Throw a swim bait. Throw a wacky rig senko. Uh, throw something that you don't have to keep alive in your boat in a cooler uh, that you can just cast and cover some water put the trolling motor on a moderate rate pick a weed line and keep going until you catch a fish jason i know our millions of listeners throughout the world are listening and saying boy i got to get to park rapids and go fishing and i got to hire this guy how can they get you hired for a trip your millions of smart highly intelligent listeners can always uh, contact me on my phone which is area code 218-252 2278. You can find me on social media on Facebook and Instagram, or you can find me on my website, which is go-fish-guides.com. He is a man, the myth, the legend. He will die for walleyes. He is Jason Durham of Go Fish Guide Service. As always, Jason, thanks for the insight today. Thanks for having me, Kevin. To everybody, hey, happy 4th of July. Another great conversation on Fish and Paul Bunyan Country. We've got some great ones coming up later this week, including Hannah Mishler, the Conservation Officer of the Year, one of six canine conservation officers in the state of Minnesota, and she's located right here in the midst of Paul Bunyan Country. We'll hear from her on our next show. That's it for today. I'm Kev Jackson. Don't forget to like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, and subscribe to the podcast so you can listen whenever you want to and get the bonus podcast content that doesn't always make it onto the radio show. Hit the water, have some fun. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Fish Hill, Bob Bunyan, country, country.